This podcast is very proudly brought to you by my new book, From Peasants Food to Superfoods. This book is based on cooking for the entire family and it guides cooks from all experiences on how to integrate healthy foods into everyday life. I know it's easy to stick to the same old things every week with a family to feed and a budget to stick to, but eating nutritious and delicious food every night is achievable and affordable. Learning how to use, prepare, and incorporate new and old ingredients into tasty and exciting food is what I love doing. So I have put this book together. It's over 300 pages. There's over 100 simple, nutritious recipes, breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, desserts. Most of it's gluten-free, dairy-free. It's very gut healing, very anti-inflammatory, and I hope that you will love it as much as I have, putting it together and (laughs) bringing it to life. So if you would like to check it out, learn more, or order it, jump online at www.mgherbs.com.au. And thanks for bringing us the podcast today. You're listening to Melissa Gearing, the Naked Naturopath. Mel is a qualified naturopath, herbalist, and nutritionist. She can't wait to share her thoughts on all things health and wellness with you. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to The Naked Naturopath. Today on the podcast, I have some fellow fermenters and also a very special uh, warm welcome because uh, Rock Kombucha has jumped on board to sponsor the podcast as well. So, Amanda and Trent from Rock Kombucha, welcome to the podcast. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Thanks so much for taking time out of your busy brewing. That's no, a pleasure. I do want to mention I love that you guys said you're in the car at the moment because the, the brewers and the fridges and stuff are so loud. Yeah. That's... You have the dream office one day. Just not yet. We're still in a small brewery, so that's the way it goes. Yeah, no, it's commitment. I think it's, it shows right. that, you know, well, you committed to at least coming on my podcast, so that's awesome. <laughs> so what I would love um, to tell the listeners is, you know, like we always talk about um, fermenting at home and stuff like that, but the ins and outs of what you guys are doing and, and how you come to do it and brewing on such a large scale because, you know, whatever I look, I see Rock Kombucha now, which is so cool, and congratulations. Thank you. That's nice to hear. <laughs> so how did you guys first get into it? Um, well, I guess for us uh, it's a bit of a family story and um, we uh, – Personally, I, I had 10 years playing AFL football, so um, we started having a young family and my body wasn't great. Uh, it was like a, I've been in small grade car accidents for 10 years, so uh, I was pretty sore and it was around the time of having a second child and um, I was really sort of in a bad way. Uh, I had a very bad back at the time, couldn't pick the kids up uh, out of the bath or the oh, cot. So we really sort of together made a decision that um, – we'd look at our sort of diet and, and that was the easiest thing to change and see whether that could make a difference. Uh, I was booked in for surgery, which I thought was a bit serious at the time of my age. So um, I started researching um, sort of inflammation and anti-inflammatory diets and fermented food just kept popping up over and over again. Um, I, I'm a winemaker by trade, so brewing and, and fermenting was very close to my heart and I, I understood it. Uh, quite well. So when kombucha kept popping up, um, it really piqued my interest and uh, we started fermenting at home um, and it was instantaneous, uh, the difference in, in uh, health and also uh, my pain or inflammation in my body. So um, I have to 
the dis- uh, not the disclaimer, but what I have to add in there was that we really made an effort to cut out uh, refined carbs and mm. sugar at the same time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, the, the result was amazing. So the brew started on the kitchen bench, mm-hmm. uh, moved into the laundry, and then before long uh, was sort of bootlegging out of the garage. <laughs> um, friends and family were jumping on board. Everyone was telling us that uh, it tasted really good. Mm-hmm. And uh, lo and behold, I had to quit my day job. And we're still going. That's amazing. You know, I've tried a lot of kombuchas and yours is definitely, um, look, um, among the very best. <laughs> like, honestly, it Thank is, you. yeah, beautiful. And when people read the ingredients, they're like, it just doesn't have any extra crap in it, which I love because I was actually <laughs> having people having reactions to um, different branded kombuchas that I was telling them to get. So, you know, yeah, so because of the sweetness it's a murky, and stuff. murky world at the moment. Mm. So, um, I would, being uh, PC, uh, there's dubious yes. versions of kombucha in the market at the moment. And yeah. I guess uh, I'd love to tell people or listeners that uh, if it's big brand and, and available in the big boys being Coles and Woolies, that, yeah. Uh, yeah, you've really got to dig down and do some of some of your own research. Yeah. Um, because if you can't pronounce the word on the label uh, yeah. in the ingredients list, then I'll argue that it's arguably not healthy for yeah. you. So That's one of my big uh, rules. Yeah. We love clean labels, so uh, that's what we're all about. And, and uh, yeah, the freshest, best, uh, most healthy ingredients is all we're ever going to put in our drinks. And it's all very straightforward. You read your ingredients like, I know what they are. That's cool. Yeah, correct. It yeah. shouldn't be difficult. Yeah. Uh, that's the really perplexing <laughs> thing for us at the moment, that um, the mass market is being educated on taste and what should be uh, a really nutrient-dense beverage uh, by things that aren't truly, uh, you know, 100% kombucha. So it's a little frustrating, but mm. we're hoping that the market will get educated and, um, yeah. Ask I, the question. Ask the question yeah. and then, yeah, uh, go and hunt out those brands that are doing the right thing. You know, for all of my um, my clients and people listening in and stuff, from the feedback that I do get, people can taste the difference. If they've had a few different types of kombucha and they've had some homemade stuff and then they try something like yours and then they try something from a supermarket, they often will comment that it is maybe too sweet, doesn't taste uh, fermented. Like a soft drink yeah. like a fermented beverage. Yeah, or even yeah, too fizzy. Like, I just continually tell people now that if you can't taste vinegar or that tang of mm. vinegar, then you're probably not drinking kombucha. Yeah, so yeah. one of the biggest health benefits in kombucha is actually the acetic acid and the byproducts of making vinegar or, or acetic acid. Um, and, you know, a lot of those mass-produced uh, grocery brands now just taste – they've got artificial flavouring in them, they've got fake sugars, and they taste like a watery soft drink. So mm. uh, they're missing the, missing the point of the beverage. And, like, the fake flavours too – which yeah. aren't that yummy. <laughs> like, they're not no, that yummy. They taste natural. That's maybe they're called natural fibers. They yeah. don't really taste or that natural. N- nature so. identical. And, yeah, there's no nutritional value at mm. all. They're basically chemicals that replicate flavors. So Those kind of- you can put natural flavors on the, on the label, but that natural flavor is, is a chemical that comes yeah. in a tub from a factory. And that um, kind of stuff is actually going to um, have a really detrimental effect on your good bacteria, the opposite of what kombucha ideally will do, right? Yeah, well, there's, there's enough science out for listeners that want to dig into it. I'm a bit of a science dork. Cool. Uh, I love 
uh, researching everything. Yeah. And yeah, the, the xylitols and the erythritols, there is science mm-hmm. out showing that they are disruptive to some people can actually have an allergic reaction uh, in their intestines to mm-hmm. xylitol, uh, and erythritol can actually upset your gut microbes. So it's kind of mm-hmm. counterintuitive to why you're choosing kombucha in the first place. And I've had two clients who have had a um, almost like a bit of a reaction in their mouth where the, the mucous membranes are irritated in their mouth, which would be a similar thing, I imagine, to the digestive tract because, you know, the common symptoms of uh, the, the well, they call them natural sweeteners, xylitol and stuff like that, but it is IBS-like symptoms. Yeah, so, yeah, know. lots of bloating and yeah. uh, uncomfortable feelings. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, who, who knows where those uh, irritants are coming from? I could argue that uh, natural flavours are, you know, extracts and, and terpenes or oils <laughs> or um, that really it, it's uh, – even though it comes from a natural source is the way they get away with saying it's a natural flavour. There's nothing natural about it. It's not Mm. found in nature. So um, who knows the impacts it has on your health. Yeah, for sure. Now, you mentioned acetic acid just before. Um, Mm -hmm. I'd love to talk about some more of that good stuff that's in kombucha and in your kombucha in particular. Um, Where did you get your SCOBY to start with? <laughs> Interesting question. Yeah, uh, I, I want to know. <laughs> uh, I just jumped online. It may have even come in the mail from America. Yeah. This is back in about 2000, late 13, early 14. So it was before it was really a thing locally. Mm. And um, I had a little um, vacuum sealed, uh, like a sandwich bag turn up in the mail uh, in, in some uh, kombucha vinegar with about a circle of scoby that was no bigger than sort of a teacup size and I just started with that and grew that little scoby up and away we went. Now they're about three metres wide. Wow. Oh, my gosh. That's got to be a little bit creepy if that little thing shows up and you guys have never really been into that stuff or exposed to it before and this little, you know, essentially like a a mushroom of yeast shows up and they don't look pretty. No, they don't at all. Some look better than others. Uh, We use white and green tea, so uh, we tend to get uh, what's called a full moon scoby and they're like a really opaque, clean, Mm. white-looking scoby. Uh, When you're dealing with the sort of the more traditional uh, heavy black teas, uh, it can look a little bit manky. They're brown and uh, a little bit swampy in colour. Yeah, yeah. Mine used to have these. Mine used to have these little, um, uh, like little tendrils coming off him. Little black tendrils. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's generally what, what's happening under the scoby is generally yeast activity, uh, and then the cellulose fiber that you can see at the top is is sort of where the bacterial or the acetic acid bacteria tend to hang out at the top because they need a lot of oxygen. Yeah, cool. And do you? I never can remember what scoby stands for. Can you? Uh, you can test you now. Uh, it's symbiotic colony, yeah. colony of oh. uh, bacteria and, and yeast. yeast. Yes, that's it. Um, I run a – like I do lots of kefir, um, so I'm more of a kefir girl. I just find it's, I don't know, easier for me to brew kefir than, than kombucha. So I moved away from kombucha and went into kefir. And so I do the classes and everyone always says to me, what's the difference uh, between kefir and kombucha? And, um, right. you know, I start talking you about those cultures. Now, yes. <laughs> well, no, I wasn't. But if you know, I'm interested. Uh, I do broadly know. The, the main difference is um, kombuchas, uh, I'd like to say, kind of unique in the world of fermented foods, primarily because most of the traditional fermented foods being sauerkraut and kimchi and yogurt and dairy um, 
is basically a bacterial fermentation mm -hmm. uh, with no impact from yeast. Uh, kefir is probably a 70-30 bacterial heavy fermentation process. There's minor yeast that are at play and kombucha is unique where it's uh, basically a 50-50. Uh, you need a lot of yeast load to make a small amount of alcohol for that alcohol then to be uh, turned into acetic acid or vinegar. So um, on a probiotic level, the diversity within kombucha is much higher than you get in a traditional sort of um, bacterial heavy um, fermented food. Yeah, um, awesome. That's awesome. I'm going to like rewind it and listen and memorize it. <laughs> and then when so, I – seriously, because I do these keto yeah, workshops and everyone asks me. The complexity with kombucha is that you are dealing with a small amount of alcohol production. Mm. So that when you say you find kefir easier to, to make, yeah. you're probably – you're dealing with um, – two different sets of requirements in in the microbe world. So you, you've got to have conditions and nutrients suitable for yeast, but you've also got to be making sure it's uh, applicable to the bacteria yeah. trying to encourage, whereas all your other um, uh, fermented food ferments, you're only really creating an environment that are bacterial. So Yeah, so, uh, you know, like uh, no air, for example. Yes, some, some people on there and some can uh, respire um, anaerobically so that yeah. there's not the need for oxygen. Yeah, cool. Gobies, um, because there is a big need for oxygen in the second part of the ferment, um, homebrews generally you have your yeast and bacteria doing the right things at the same time. When you're at the scale that we are, uh, it tends to be yeast first, bacteria second. Um, but a little tip for home brewers is that if your scobies getting more than two or three centimetres thick, it's time to kind of cycle that guy out and put him in the compost and um, start fresh because what happens, the thicker the scoby gets, it actually acts like a, a layering mat on the surface of the beverage and you're really restricting the amount of oxygen that the mm. bacteria have um, exposure to. So you're essentially, like putting a lid on a ferment, you're slowing that ferment down. So um, I know I've talked to other home brewers that are really proud about how thick their scoby is, yeah. but what you're doing is slowing your – yeah, you're suffocating the ferment down. Is so. it worth, Trent, like making other brews of kombucha with them or are they just ready to be gone? Sorry, I missed that question. Oh, you know how if you pull if you pull the um, scoby apart, you know, the layers, is it worth making, yeah. making more brews, like a second brew, a third brew, or do you just, like you said, put it in the compost and then just stick with if the you, one? If you have pulled your layered scoby out, which is quite thick out of a current ferment, there's enough um, lo uh, microbial load in that liquid to, to grow a fresh one. It will just keep growing more cellulose fibre. That, that scoby that you've taken out, yeah, there's a load of bacteria and yeast within that, and that's why that's how you could give it to someone else and they can start brews. Um, but they're pretty hardy. Uh, you can actually you don't need to trade scoby to start a kombucha ferment. You can just take some of that really um, dense, uh, currently fermenting juice, and that will start another ferment. Yeah, cool. And I, you know, there's a bit of controversy online about um, needing to pull them apart and just using the new ones. Do you guys do yeah. that? Uh, I would argue that's got more to do with the amount of air that the newer ones have got okay. exposed to at the top. Um, so the ones that are suffocated and and, and, and uh, submerged in the liquid probably don't have the bacterial load that the ones closer to the surface would have. So your your uh, bang out of the scoby that you're going to use would probably be more viable towards the top of the liquid. Cool. I remember my difficult question. 
Um, So I had somebody come on the podcast uh, ages and ages ago and she just very briefly um, mentioned that the uh, amount of people drinking kombucha and there was an issue with the possible uh, load of yeast. Have you guys read much on that? Not really. No, so you're saying sort of um, upsetting the system with yeah, yeast envelope? Yeah. But my well, understanding was that scobies were non-colonizing yeast, so they actually push out the um, bad or the poor yeasts, you know, like so they would push out things like an overgrowth of candida, for example, because they yeah, don't. So I'll, yeah, I, basically the yeasts that are at play are probably predominantly Saccharomyces, which are mm. these traditional brewer's yeast. Um, I don't think there'd be, you know, a very small population that may be sensitive to said yeast. And um, uh, I think uh, internally they are um, would be considered probiotic versus a yeast that is out of whack in your system making you sick. They would actually outcompete. Um, so if you're ingesting Saccharomyces, mm. they're the kind of guys that would probably outcompete the the yes, that you're probably going to have an issue with. It's, it's out of balance. So um, cool. wine-making and brewers, uh, we're tasting fermenting beverages all the time and, uh, yeah, I can't think of anyone that was having any adverse effects mm-hmm. from having a you doing okay? heavy yeast-loaded uh, <laughs> beverage all the time. We, we'd be tasting stuff like that daily. So Yeah, cool. Yeah, good to know. And, Amanda, did you have a, a different day job before this took off? <laughs> I was a um, stay-at-home mum for a few years prior yeah. to this. Uh, um, prior to that, I worked in business improvement and in marketing and advertising. Oh, so that's handy. A bit of a diverse background, but um, being a startup and a small business, you need to wear multiple hats. Yeah, so. you definitely bring some of that <laughs> so in, I'm sure. balance everything. Yeah. Like a young family as well, so, yeah. And are you guys brewing five days a week now? Yeah, so uh, talking about scobies, we haven't stopped brewing since uh, that <laughs> first little scoby turned up in the mail. Wow. So what is actively fermenting now, um, I can't ever see it really. We're never not going to have an active ferment going. Yeah. Uh, the wheels just keep turning. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we, we're bottling probably uh, a couple of days a week um, at the moment, but we're hoping that, uh, like you said, you're seeing rock in a few places. We're mm-hmm. hoping that it's a lot more places yeah. by next summer. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, all that happens is the bottling days will increase. So, um, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, if I'm, that does happen, we'll probably be wishing we were back to being uh, yeah. quiet, but uh, fingers crossed. Then you get more people on board, right? Like that's, you know. Definitely. That's the most plan. We're getting it um, really um, – Passionate about wanting to get, we, we've proven that you can get a non-shelf stable, truly authentic kombucha to, I won't say mass market at the moment, but we're getting it to most corners of Australia mm. and all the big players that have jumped in and, and made their kombucha uh, shelf stable only for money and ease of distribution, um, we really don't agree with. So I'm getting more passionate and inspired that you know we've proven that we can get it now we, we always thought it might be hard getting a product mm-hmm. like ours because it doesn't really exist uh, in the channels of distribution. Mm. Um, being able to you know get a, a, a what's styled as a soft drink, but it's actually live like milk or has to be kept refrigerated all the time. Um, we're actually you know proving to the market that it can be done. So. 
we're hoping that the consumers sort of uh, are going to get more educated about the category and do their uh, research and homework. And um, yeah, there is uh, good products out there to be had. Yeah, for sure. When um, on my background, I've spent um, ten, about ten years in health food, and when every when all these ferment products first started coming out, they were all strictly refrigerated. You know, they would come in, and even the people yeah. making them were kind of delivering them, and they were like get it straight in the fridge, get it straight in the fridge, and it was a big thing. And then all of a sudden we started getting these uh, boxes that were hot or, you know, room temperature and had even been on trucks for long periods of time and stuff like that. And so I'm going, what? And so I'm calling around. I'm going, look, it's no good. It's no good. And then they go, no, 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 we made it shelf stable. And it was this, yeah, they changed science. Yeah. Shelf it was this huge thing. And I'm fermenting and, you know, like I, I just released my last, uh, my third cookbook last year and it's got a huge chunk of a chapter on fermenting and, and so that's always been a huge interest of mine and I'm going, no, I don't think that that's okay. And and so this, you know, this whole industry just moved into these shelf-stable products and, you know, my, my shop just started getting boxes and boxes kept out the back and it really moved away from what fermenting was. And in the last, even the last two years to probably um, 12, the last 12 months really strongly we've had this move back to fresh fermented products which has just been so nice yeah i do we truly believe and we're holding tight that the consumer does want to know where their food comes from who made it Mm. um, how it's made that authentic and being a beverage we're a craft beverage and we want we believe the consumers are going to come around and understand that's what kombucha should be it's not a soft drink it shouldn't be sat down the line and distributed ambient it is something that is a real craft and authentic product so we're holding on that that's you know that the word will slowly get out there and you know we'll keep We'll keep doing what we're doing and try and, you know, make sure they all sort of come around and understand what authentic conversion should be. Yeah, that's awesome. And people who are around me in, you know, vicinity of Newcastle in the clinic, you can come into Verve for Life where the clinic is and get it out of the fridge now because I was super excited to receive a massive order this morning. Yeah. So much kombucha. I'm just going to – I took a box home. I sent a box home with half my staff and we're all, you know, we're all onto it. The fridge is stocked. So, yes, you're you now officially a rock star. <laughs> Yay! Hey, just as a side, um, your your um, beautiful bottles, the drawings on them, where did they come from? Uh, that is from a local artist over um, in Dunsborough, which is just near Margaret River down here. Uh, he's a local artist. He does a lot of murals um, and artwork around the southwest of WA, and his name is Ian March. He is incredible. So if you jump online, he's got a bunch of stuff online. You can have a look. He's a very, very talented artist, and we are very lucky yeah, to have him beautiful. work with us. Yeah, it just amazing. makes your bottles stand out, you know, and they're very unique and beautiful. And, yeah, it makes you want to read the whole bottle. I've read it many times. So it's good. That's, That's what you I want. I like hearing that. That's good. That means it's working so. yeah for sure and um where can people find out more about you guys yeah just jump on our website www.rockkombucha.com.au um there's a couple of great articles on there um we filmed a segment with abc landline last year so you can really get a feel of how craft we are if you watch the video great. um yeah and instagram you can email us yeah we're always happy to talk to everyone so yeah that's cool i'll put it rock are okay. okay. Organic kombucha. We love our acronyms. Beautiful. <laughs> it took me um, a little while to get that, actually. Um, <laughs> I'm not so good with it. But we'll put all that in the show notes as well. And um, thank you again, guys, for coming on board and sponsoring the Naked Natch Path to let us get out a few more episodes as well. Exciting. Thanks, no Matt. Worries. Pleasure. Thanks, Thanks, Thanks for on. coming on. <laughs> 
If you like what we do here at The Naked Naturopath, then be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. To learn more about Mel and MG Herbs, jump onto mgherbs.com, follow us on Facebook at MG Herbs Australia, and Instagram at MG Herbs Official. Please keep in mind that all advice and opinions on The Naked Naturopath are not individualized. To get the right advice for you, be sure to make a booking with Mel or your health professional. This has been a production of TheWellnessCouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on Facebook.com forward slash TheWellnessCouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.